Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke, to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. Hey everybody, we are excited today. We're chatting with Stephen Chandler and he's got this cool new book out right here. Stop waiting for permission. This is an instruction to all of us. I needed this book really bad mm-hmm. at multiple points in my life. I've since gone through a lot of it and there's just a lot of good stuff here. And yeah. so we're going to be pulling a lot out as we have a conversation with him. If you don't know Stephen, he's a pastor at a church. I'll let him say it. I think it's Union Church or something. Is that right? Union Stephen? Church. Yep. Union Church, Union in, church Maryland. Is in Maryland. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got three little kids, I think younger than ours. Yeah. So his head so is bad. probably spinning. <laughs> but so give him some grace if his head is spinning. But we're excited to chat with you today, Stephen. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming for on. Here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love what you all do. And my head is spinning. I haven't slept a full night in six years. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're with feeling you. you, man. We're with you. We have our so we've eight, five and three. Yep. And our three-year-old just decided whatever the last couple months, every single night he's getting up. He's in a sleep regression. Yeah. So it's fine. We thought what we were out of the woods no. and it's like we're back. Yeah, we're right there. Anyway, yeah. all right. So I want to dive in your book. Like there's a couple different things I want to pull out to just kind of chat about. And so, well, let me, let's start here. Stop waiting for permission. Like, does this come from experience? Like, why did you write this? Like, where's this come from? So this book is my life journey in the best way that it could be not an autobiography, but be such a blessing to people. It really is, man. I hope somebody can learn from this book the easy way what i had to learn the hard way yeah and the first and really the pinnacle message of the book is that there is god ordained greatness and potential in all of us Mm -hmm. i think whether it is failures that we've ran into whether it's a certain level of success that we've already accomplished or maybe even some places of origin that weren't the most affirming. A lot of us struggle to really believe, is there greatness in me? Is there greatness in my future? Is there, is there great influence that God has for me? And then there's a little bit of an erroneous understanding of what contentment is, that yeah. we actually feel guilty for having yeah. any type of ambition or Mm. goals or aspirations. So there's all these different wrestles. And really the book is that it's not ungodly to desire greatness. It's not ungodly to believe that you were made in the image of a great God. So thus God made you great and he put gifts and talents and ability inside of you. So that's the first point. And then the second point is, and this is the rest of the other 10 chapters, how do I maximize that potential? Yeah. Because once I accept that there's a greatness inside of me, I find a lot of times people just get stuck just waiting for lightning to strike. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to wait for somebody to discover me or a random door to open or somebody to come find me or, or somebody to recognize my gift or whatever it may be. And I learned the hard way that maximizing your potential is not sitting around waiting for a door to open, but there's actually intentional 
steps of wisdom, faithfulness, stewardship that we can find in God's word that will take us along the journey of greatness and maximizing our potential. Yeah, that's so good. That yeah, good. I mean, one of the things I think comes up that we've observed, some people feel guilty about having, feel nervous about earning too much money. And yeah. like, whatever, we thinking about the camel, the needle of the eye verse. And one of the things I bring up a lot of times, like, what's the alternative? Like, is it not pursuing the gifts that God has given you? Is it not yeah. pushing them to the limit? Like, because if I read the parable of the talents, it's like the master had good things to say about those that took what they were entrusted with and did something with them. But the one who didn't, yeah. I don't want to hear what he heard, you know? And so, yeah. so I think there's something really here that's really powerful and important for us to all accept and understand that God created us for a purpose to do significant things on this earth. Mm -hmm. And we all have a reason that we're on here, you know? You, you know, let's take about the parable with the talents. I don't think it would be a theological stretch to say that that master represented God yeah, mm -hmm. and that he entrusted. So, I mean, if our goal is to be like Christ and Christ is the one that had the abundance to leave to the five talent, two talent and one talent servant, then there, there should, that, that should kind of settle the argument right there. Right. But then yeah. if you take it a step further, because that master had affluence, and he can leave five, two, and one talents for them to oversee. And in the other parable, what happened when he got back? The one that turned five into 10, he gave them 10 cities. And the one that turned yeah. two into four, because of his affluence, he was able to be outrageously generous and a blessing to other people and really introduce a life to other people that they didn't even know that they can exist yeah. you know, or, or live out. So, you know, somebody owns a business and they have 25 employees you're fulfilling the prayer of 25 people. God yeah. is using you to be a miracle for other people, which you wouldn't be able to without affluence. So it's a blessing and God can use us as a blessing when we have more than we need. Yeah. That's so good. What's interesting about that, I was just thinking, I was just talking to somebody the other day about how the shift from, I don't know when it was, I think it was maybe pre-World War II, in movies and in things like that, business owners were basically looked highly upon. And then after that, really after probably the 60s, I think it very much became business owners like in the media in general and business owners in the movie, movies a lot of times are kind of portrayed more as selfish and greedy. And, mm -hmm. and it's just like a subtle kind of shift that's changed in our culture it's really disappointing because, you know, we're business owners. We've been business owners for probably 15 years now. And I think the fact is, is that there's so many fantastic small businesses that are shifting the world or medium-sized businesses, even big businesses. And it's just sad that it's kind of, kind of turned that. But anyway, you said this in your book, and I love this. Avoid failure isn't a strategy for greatness. Overcome fear is. Tell me a little bit more about this. Expand on this for me. There's a misnomer that risk takers, that, that courageous people don't experience fear. And that's just not the truth. Every yeah. single person experiences fear, even more so those that take risk and attempt great things. Here's the only difference that great people and people that take risk and move forward, they just don't let fear paralyze them. And yeah. they don't let fear be the final emotion that they feel. And I think there's this fear of failure that makes us not want to step out and attempt anything great. But if you would study anybody 
who's great at anything, whether it's a president, an athlete, a business leader, a professor, you are going to see failure after failure after failure that they bounce back from, pushed through yeah. and went on and tried and attempted again. So we have to accept the fact that failure is just part of the journey to greatness. And yeah. as soon as we steal the power of fearing failure, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm scared. But I was scared to write this book. I mean, yeah. it's probably yeah. one of the most transparent things that I've ever done. I can preach, you know, people want to hear me preach, but they want to read a book that I wrote. And after pushing through that fear, I am so proud and excited that on the other side of it, I didn't let an emotion that everybody feels keep me paralyzed from what I feel like God's called me to do. And it's the same for every single push and push, 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 push fear. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any practical tips on how to push through fear? I do. It's just Stephen. It might not be encouraging to you. <laughs> I've heard the phrase, but did you die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm like, yeah, you went hiking in the woods and ran into a bear, but did you die? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I go through, did you die scenarios? Mm. So when I think about a risk, I'm literally like, what's the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do I die? Yeah. No. Do I lose my family? Do I lose my health? Do I lose my kids? Do I lose my business? Do I lose my integrity? No. Mm. Then maybe the worst that can happen is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I might be embarrassed, but I didn't like those people anyway. So, or <laughs> whatever it may be. So for me, I go through worst case scenario. And if the worst case scenario doesn't bankrupt my integrity and bankrupt my life, mm. then maybe my imagination over projected my fear. Now, here's the deal. If you do go through a worst case scenario and it does bankrupt your life, your business, your integrity, your family, or whatever it may be, that's not fear. That's prudence. That's not fear. That's wisdom that it's saying, hey, don't hire those four employees. You don't have enough of an emergency saving to be able to make it through a difficult season or a downturn or whatever. So we got to make sure that we don't mistake fear for wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So have you ever seen Tim Ferriss's uh, fear setting exercise? I haven't. No. Yeah. So this is, it's worth Googling. I think you might enjoy it, but um, we actually, we added it to our book because I just liked it so much. In it, he breaks down, I mean, similar to what you're talking about, like he has a system for breaking out when you're looking at a situation that's causing fear. What is the worst case scenario that happens? And mm -hmm. then how will I improve it or how will I fix it? Like if the worst case scenario happens, like how would I fix it? And then the other one that's really good is what's the cost of inaction? Like what happens six months, one year, five years from now, if I do nothing, because, you know, not making a decision is making a decision. That right. so yeah. many people, you know, just procrastinate their way through lives and in, in their lives and never actually take action on. So anyway, I think you didn't get a kick out of it. Yeah. But I think you're right though. There, it seems like people stop at the, I'm too afraid to do something that they don't even move forward into. Well, what is the worst case scenario, which I yeah. think is so powerful of like thinking it through writing it down or, you know, whatever your process is, like just taking a step past recognizing that you're afraid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think if we're going to be afraid of anything, we should be afraid of unfulfilled potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should be like, like you mentioned on the other side of the what ifs, what's the opportunity cost? What am I leaving on the table mm -hmm. if I don't take this step of faith? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so good. All right. We are all fueled by something and what fuels you matters. 
Mm. Tell me about it, <laughs> man. I wish I can tell you that that chapter was out of a great faith life, but honestly, it was out of my brokenness. Mm. I've always had a ambition to me. I've always had a restlessness of there's more out of life. Yeah. But if I'd be honest for a good period of my life, it was fueled by insecurity and a yeah. desire to prove to people that I can make something in my life and I can be great and you know, this and that. And I, I think it starts with honesty for everybody that yeah, maybe wealth really is an aspiration and a motivation, but maybe it's also a fear of poverty because mm -hmm. I grew up in a home that didn't have enough and I'm motivated from, I'm never gonna be like the home I grew up in or, or maybe somebody said something to you way back when and it cut deep. And yeah. you're living your life to kind of prove them wrong. Here's the problem that negative fuel drives you and it actually gets positive results. Yeah. There are athletes that are driven by anger and mm -hmm. they work out harder than anybody else. And they push themselves further than anybody else. So this scary thing about fuel, like pride or insecurity or comparison is it can actually get good results. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem that even though you can get good results in a period, negative fuel or negative motivation will always drive you at a pace that's unhealthy to go at. Mm. So fear might drive you, but it may cost you your marriage because you've been neglecting one thing for another thing. Or, or comparison might get great results in your business, in your career, mm. but it may cost you your health because yeah. it's driving you at a pace that's not healthy and you should be resting or eating better or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I believe that there are fuels that drive us maybe better than fear or anger or insecurity or something like that. And it's, it's healthy. For example, we should be driven by passion. Mm -hmm. yeah. God placed something in us. And a lot of times people don't know how to identify their passion. Here's how, what frustrates you? Yeah. What's the problem that you identify in every room you walk into, every person that you meet? Maybe your greatest frustration is actually a problem that God's put you on this earth to fix and be a solution to, yeah. and that's your passion. Mm -hmm. We should obviously be driven by God's desire for our life, that God made me, he saved me for a purpose, mm -hmm. and I want to make him proud. And then we should be driven by the giftings that God's given us. There's yeah. potential and there's giftings and affinities that we have that actually should point us and motivate us in a direction. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. when you said all that, I was thinking of what was the Michael Jordan documentary we watched? Oh my goodness. You know, you Did remember you see it? it was on Netflix. I do. And you know, what's wild. I was thinking about that documentary as I wrote this chapter. Really? Because it's the last dance. I don't, you guys yeah. see yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. 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 yeah so last dance, last season, he wins the championship. And I don't, I don't know, Jordan. I don't know what's going through his mind. I'm just watching documentary and I'm making assumptions. Yeah. But if you saw that scene when he collapses on the floor in the locker room, yeah, it didn't look like elation to me. Mm. Yeah, It didn't look like celebration. It didn't look like, I mean, man, we made it. It looked like exhaustion that came from, I didn't let myself down. It, it looked negative to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, and that's, like, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. yeah. It, it looked like maybe fear, maybe trying to prove something or whatever was driving him. And it looked like that wind took more from him than it gave to him. Yeah. yeah. I have noticed 
Like, I mean, I remember watching that documentary and they said, someone said something to him after a game uh, from the opposing team mm -hmm. said like good game or something. And he took it as this like negative thing of like, Oh, you think I played bad, you know, da da da. like made up this whole scenario in his mind, come to yeah. find out like that guy never even said anything to him. He had made this whole thing yeah, up in he, his mind to fuel him. Yeah, I thought he intentionally would make stories up in yeah. order to yeah. fuel himself. But what I think is interesting of this is we have that opportunity of huge contrast to that. I don't know if you've ever read the Magnolia magazine from Chip and Joanna. Chip Gaines. and Joanna. Okay, but, I'm actually a huge fan. Okay, good. <laughs> if you've ever read that magazine, like they talk about cleaning your house. Okay, this is not something that I'm like, oh, yes, let's go clean. But when I read her magazine, she talks about it in a way that makes me go, oh, I can have so much joy in this task that maybe I don't always enjoy. And there's grace in it. And there's, I mean, it's such a different spirit on the way it comes across rather than making yeah. up these stories about somebody that's opposing you. And so you just, you have to like, beat them, beat them, beat them, you know, which is what most other magazines make me feel like. You don't yeah. look good enough. Your house isn't nice enough. It's not Pinterest worthy enough. You know what I mean? But I think it's yeah. like that for all of these, all like any of the giftings that we have, like we can use yeah. the motivation from the Bible and the grace that comes with it and the ease that comes with it. Or we can compare ourselves to other people and make it look like it's just never, we're never enough. It's never right. Even though it might propel us forward a little bit, it's yeah. wrong, right? I don't want to be super spiritual, but I am a pastor and you brought the Bible. So here we go. Let's, Let's go. do it. Everything God creates, the enemy creates a counterfeit. Yeah. That's good. And fear is a counterfeit motivation. Mm. Offense. Somebody said something about me and I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah. Those are motivations, but the enemy can't create anything that is better than God creates. Mm. So what we have to figure out if fear motivates me and gets results, What's God's alternative that will be more effective to fear? And here's what it is, calling. Mm. Huh. I'm not running from something. I'm running to something. Yes, yeah. that's And I so think good. about people that are building businesses or building wealth, particularly those that come out of poverty. The idea of I'm never going to live like that. I'm never going to be in a position where money gets to make the decisions in my life again. Well, you will hit a number, a net worth, where money no longer makes your decisions. And then what? Are you yeah. going to quit? Are you yeah. going to retire at 40 as, you know, the world says as the mama, I made it go. Yeah. <laughs> what if your motivation is not, I'm running from something, but I'm running to something. Mm. Let me see all the potential that God's placed inside. Let me see how many people I can hire. Let me see how much I can give away. Let me see yeah. how much I can be a blessing to others. And when you find that as your motivation, you realize, there's no finish. Yeah. I just keep going and going and going. And I'm inspired by what God is calling me to instead of this fearful past that I'm running from. So good. Yeah, that I is really that. good. It's so, just like, it's like a whole mindset shift. It is. Because I think we all like, yeah, it's like the, no one gets out of this earth without any kind of trauma or, you know. Impossible. So how can we motivate ourselves? How can we see the truth in God's word to just push us forward towards him and what he has for us rather than. And I think it's so, it's so vital that we take the time to examine our hearts. Mm -hmm. The Bible says a heart is deceitful above all else. We've all been through trauma and it's all affected us. Yeah. And unless yeah. we slow down in life enough to acknowledge how that happened and how God can heal it and what his alternative is, 
We'll find ourselves fueled by some negative things and we won't realize it until our health starts to break down or relationships start to break down or we have a huge win and we're feeling discouraged on the top of a mountain instead of wanting to celebrate because that's what God put in us. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. Good. Wisdom plus peace plus godly counsel equals a confident leap of faith. Mm. I like this formula. This is really, really good. That is um, good. Yeah. Elaborate on that a little bit. Tell me more. So it, it is the difference between foolishness and risk. It's the difference between presumption and faith. Some mm. of us are risk adverse. We, we don't like taking risks. We don't like type, yeah. taking opportunities or we're always, you know, I'm going to be a good steward and I'm also going to be a little bit more cautious. Mm-hmm. Others of us, which is this guy. <laughs> I was going to say, he's the first one. I'm the second one. <laughs> I, I have never seen a risk that I did not like be, because look at this. I never look at the difficulty of the journey. I always look at the potential, the payoff. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, yeah, there's 99 ways I could die. But the one way I escape, could you imagine what it's going to look yeah, like? Yeah. And this formula kind of doesn't matter what your temperament is, but mm-hmm. it gives you a process to be able to make a leap, to take a risk and it actually be wise. So step number one, we talked about it is wisdom. Wisdom is not doubt and it's not ungodly. The Bible says that wisdom is more valuable than money. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get wisdom, you'll keep the money that you earn. Yeah, yeah. If you got money with no wisdom, you'll lose it as soon as you earn it. Yeah. So it's it's things like this. I'll give you a specific example out of my leadership of the church. So we had seasons early on in the church when we had four employees, five employees, where the church's income just wasn't enough to cover a new employee. Yeah. But I really felt like, man, if we hire that worship pastor, that student pastor, whatever, that it will propel growth. More people will get saved and the church will grow, then the income will grow, and then we'll be able to cover the salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hiring a person without the income to cover their salary, that's a risk. Yeah. Some people may say, that's not a risk, Stephen. That's foolishness. Yeah. Well, it's not if I go at it with wisdom. So here's what I did. Mm-hmm. I would save up one year of that person's salary in an emergency fund. Yeah. And I would say, I, I don't have the, the weekly income to cover their salary, but I have the savings to cover their salary for an entire year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm going to take the risk of hiring them. And I feel like, I think this thing is going to grow and we'll be able to cover it. And if after a year we don't cover it, that's enough. Well, let's be real. If I hire an employee and after a year, they don't make a difference, then they no longer <laughs> need to be an employee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But a year is enough time to mitigate any shipwrecks or disasters. So that's wisdom. The second thing is peace. Like if you're a follower of God, God lives inside of you. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says he responds to our prayers, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and guards your mind in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. If we don't have a peace, we should not move forward. Yeah. You think about in the business world, maybe in, you know, investing or whatever it may be. And you did your research on the mutual fund. You looked at the five-year, 10-year return and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, all right, I'm asleep on it. And then I'll make the investment tomorrow. You wake up in the morning, you're like, ah, I'm going to wait until tomorrow. And you're excited. Then you're not, you're up, you're down. You don't have peace. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. move forward. It's not just you being paranoid. It could be the Holy Spirit in you that's mm. looking to lead you and guide you. And too many people ignore 
that internal peace and they get themselves in trouble. Then the last piece of the puzzle is the Bible says nothing is new under the sun. You're not inventing the wheel. Somebody invented it before you did. And there's godly counsel in your life that you can go to and say, here's the risk that I'm looking to take. Can you help me do one of two things? Understand why it's not a good risk or how can I mitigate the possibilities of this not going well? And we've launched different campuses and I've gone to churches that have had multiple campuses. I said, hey, we want to launch a campus. And sometimes the pastor's like, no, this is not the season. You don't want to duplicate what you have right now. And thank God I listened. And then in other seasons, we went and said, hey, yes, but make sure you do this, this, this. Mm -hmm. And that's going to ensure that it goes more smooth than it would if you hadn't. So those three things, I'm not going to give you a percentage, but you about 95% certain (laughs) that that risk is going to turn out positive. If you skip one of those three things, and here's what we don't realize, something can work out, but it could be more painful than it was supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. And you're looking at it like, well, I didn't die. At least I made it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but man, you have to, to fight a way. fight that you would have had to fight yeah. if you had the right timing or the right counsel or more wisdom. Well, well, yeah, I mean, real quick, the other thing I was gonna say there is just because it works out doesn't mean it's not foolishness. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can do something foolish and it still work out every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Well, and I was gonna say, I like that you you wrote in there godly counsel, not just anybody's counsel because there is something really it 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 matters who you listen to it does big time and you can find one human to endorse every (laughs) foolish idea that you let me not be mean i can find one human (laughs) (laughs) to endorse every foolish idea i come in scripture when they were going to war and the king said hey did you not you know talk to the prophet first And he said, I don't want to talk to him. He never comes back with good news. (laughs) We all have that one person that we're like, I'm not bouncing this by them because they're always going to ask the right question or they're always going to make me think of a perspective that I don't want to think of. And that's why it's important. Don't go to doubters. Don't go to people who don't have faith. It's going to be mean, but that's okay. Don't go to people who have never done anything with their life. Go to people that have taken God risk. And mm-hmm. those risks have panned out and proven to be God and submit your idea or your step or your vision. And come on now, God's with us. Yeah. Like, we don't have to force things to happen. God will. So hold it open-handed. Mm-hmm. And if your idea gets shot down, just understand seven more are coming where that one left. Yeah. yeah. So good. Awesome. All right. So I remember reading it here that you love, 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 love real estate. So, um, so with that in mind, you know, we're at the point, at least in Nashville, I'm curious how it is in Maryland, but in Nashville, it feels like we're making a major right turn here. <laughs> yeah. Just so we're, we're cool. <laughs> but in Nashville, it feels like we've kind of at the time of this recording, mid August reached kind of like the peak where we're finally starting to see home prices actually come back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it like that in Maryland right now? Um. Uh... They're coming down, but kind of slow. It, yeah. it, I mean, they're not rising the way that yeah. they have. They've taken That's kind of what it's like here. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no deep discounts in uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the DC metro area. Yeah, that's for sure. So you're not actively investing much anymore. You said you were going to pause and because you said you were flipping your house, your primary residence mm-hmm. every two years doing that thing. Yeah. And so now you've so, landed in a house. So 
and I know we're on a podcast, I don't know if they can see me, growth that is exponentially increasing yeah. is not good and it's not healthy unless yeah. it's your money. You want your money exponentially yeah. increase. Everything else, you need seasons of plateau so yeah. that you can recover, so that you can rest, so that you can re-strategize and go again. So a lot of people are looking at this as like a downturn in the market. It's not a good investing season and all that other good stuff. I think it be a, can be a God-given rest and a plateau for us yeah. to rebuild our war chest. This is the time to save up because, I mean, the last 70, 80, 90 years, real estate has always gone up outside of 2008. Yeah. And even since then, we've more than recovered since that season. So yeah, this may not be the best season to find a deal, but it's a phenomenal yeah. season to save up because yep. deals are coming. And when the time is now, it's too late to get ready. Yep. Yep. I love that. That's good. Yeah. So we're, um, yeah, so we've been investors and, and it, we had one rental property, ended up selling it off. And currently we just pretty much have all of our real estate assets in Fundrise. Are you familiar with them? I'm not, no. Fundrise, yeah. So it's like crowdfunded real estate. Okay. So you pool your money with other investors and Fundrise goes and invests it in big properties, apartment complexes, yeah. commercial properties, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so yeah, so that's where we kind of have the majority of our stuff right now. But yeah, we're excited to kind of get back in the actual rental game. And so I have actually been a little bit looking forward to a little bit of a downturn to, again, be able to scoop up some deals. But... Mm -hmm. Anyway. I nearly lost my shirt on, I was 22 when I bought my first flip property. Yeah. This was risk. This was not wisdom. <laughs> I, I had no emergency fund and uh, ended up moving in the property and renovating it as I lived in it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> I got out with my shirt and like $4. I didn't lose anything. I also didn't, you didn't gain die. anything at all. Didn't die. <laughs> but did you die? But also, you know, learned so much. There was so much wisdom that was gained. Oh, and, yeah. You know, now 17 plus years later, it didn't end my financial future. So I think yeah. sometimes we're so paranoid of failure and making mistakes. And uh, you just got to make right decisions more than you make wrong decisions. Yeah. And no, the wrong decisions won't end your story as long as the ratio yeah. is in the right direction. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's one of the things I, I'm telling people a lot, like specifically new investors who are just starting investing. It's like your first investment, it doesn't matter if you make money, like you're paying for education. Like if yeah. you view it through that lens, it's like, I'm okay to lose some money because I'm paying for education. That's game changer because so many people yeah. get in their first it's, time. Okay it's like, I don't want to lose money. any money. And then yeah. it's like, you're brand new. Like you might make some mistakes. You might lose some money, but that's going to help you make more money on the next one. And so yeah. it's really important to see it through that lens, you know? I think a big factor is the definition of investing is using money you can't afford to lose. Yep. So if, if you can't afford to lose, the Bible says, that God gives seed to the sower mm -hmm. and bread to eat. Yep. And I teach my church, don't sow your bread and don't yep. eat your seed. Yep. That's great. So some Love of our it. money is for our needs. Do not invest the money that is for your needs, for your yep. bills, for your future and all that. And yep. then some of our money is for investing for the future. And don't consume that in the immediate because you'll, you'll have no future. So making sure that we don't confuse the difference between seed, which is to be invested, 
and bread, which is to be consumed. I love that. That's great. That's a great place to wrap up. All right, brother. Well, thank you for coming on. Everybody go check out this book, Stop Waiting for Permission. I really like it. It's a good kind of motivator, kick me in the pants a little bit more. So if you're in that situation where you just feel like, yeah, I was born for something. I don't really know how to move forward. How do I get Mm -hmm. a little bit of gumption from a real... Well, I'll just say this. I enjoyed your writing. I know you were feeling sheepish about the whole thing, but like it's a very easy read and I just enjoy your personality coming out through it and Mm -hmm. uh, you got a good thing here. So thanks for creating it. Oh, thank you for creating this space for encouraging us and challenging us in our finances. So we're grateful for you. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. All right, we'll chat again soon. All righty, God bless you. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up.